Hello, Metalworking Nation. This is Jason from Making Chips. On July 24th and 25th, we are going to be at the Akuma 2019 Summer Showcase in Charlotte, North Carolina. You're going to learn about bar feeder technologies for unmanned operations, aerospace machining, getting the most from five access, and many, many more subjects that they're going to be teaching you at this conference. Just search for Akuma Summer Showcase 2019 and sign up for free. Welcome to Making Ships. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I am joined by my co-host, Jason Zanger, in our Northwest Suburban studio today. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm in a good mood. It's a beautiful day in Chicago. Yes, it is. Windows are open. I was just saying to our guest, 10 days ago, we had six inches of snow, and now it's 73 degrees, and it's beautiful out. Absolutely. I missed so, that. I was out in California I know. when you had you, that snow. You didn't miss the fun, but- I was at opening the up the- Zenger's West. You were? Yeah. What a coincidence. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Okay. But anyway, Jason, automation, it's everywhere, man. Oh. Just a week and a half ago, I think it was two weeks ago, I took my entire team at Car Machine to McCormick Place, and we walked the floor of Automate. Oh my God, I had no idea. It's a completely different kind of automation process. Well, automation is a very general term. It's a very general term. You know, we've sold some universal robots, universal robotics. They're collaborative robots. They were there. They were there. They had a big booth there. But then there's all other ways to automate. I mean, you can automate your processes through your ERP system. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I mean, one of the things that you need to make sure you are doing in business is being as efficient as possible. And automation is one way to do things. First thing you want to do is kill something, eliminate it if it's if it's not adding kill any value. Kill the customer. Well, Somebody told I wasn't us that thinking about that. Yeah, we, we have discussed that before, but automate would definitely come right behind eliminate it's something. It's a big buzzword nowadays. And yes. I know a lot of people are doing that and it means different things to different people, right? But I think today we're going to talk about automating your business, your company, your manufacturing company through utilizing and implementing a really robust full-spectrum ERP system. Absolutely. So before we introduce our guest, and he is a repeat guest, I might add. He's a pretty he's a pretty sharp guy. Jason, what's new at Zangers? Or more importantly, Jason, what's keeping you awake at night? I know you sleep well. I don't. I'm just a couple years older. And when you get older, man, those nights get more and more restless. But, well, uh, I mean, I've implemented a lot of processes into my nightly routine that allow me to sleep better at nighttime. And I've tried to talk to you about some oh, of those. Oh, I think I know what you're going to tell me. You're one taking the, sleeping pills, right? No, I'm not taking sleeping pills. Okay. One of those one of those. You're drinking a bottle of wine at night? No, okay. I'm not. Actually, when I drink wine and typically alcohol gets you to bed quickly, but it doesn't necessarily keep you asleep. Yes, so I, I know I've, that. I've tried to implement a lot of things into my nightly process so that I can fall asleep and stay asleep. So like Help go me. to bed at the same time, okay. not drink alcohol. Okay. What a buzzkill. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, buddy. Eliminating a screen from your face at least an hour before you get into bed. Don't tell me you can do that. I can at times. Now, at I'm, times. I'm saying it's a process. I'm not saying I follow it every okay. night. Okay. I mean, and usually the reason I don't is simply because my wife wants to watch a show together or something like that. I mean, I'm just being honest. And you watch TV in bed? 
No, we don't have a TV. We only have one TV. We have one TV okay. in, our, in, okay. in our basement, okay. and, that, and that's it. There's a couple other things that I do, you know, that make sure that I can get a full night's rest, get my kids to bed at early. You know, what so I mean? you, what you're saying is a consistent I don't, routine, I don't, a consistent routine. Okay, yeah, I try to automate that in my mind as much as I possibly can. I don't eat a lot at nighttime. No, nope. got to cut down on the sugar. You know, there's a lot of different things there. Gotcha. Read right before I go to bed. That's admirable. That's very admirable. Yeah, I know. For you, it's wine. But anyway, I'm sleeping much better if you're going to ask me. I am, yeah. I, Are yes. you sleeping much better? Just I, because business I, is better? Uh, yeah, yeah, that always helps, right? But I am consistent with my alcohol intake. I don't exceed a certain amount per night. Okay. So I'm consistent. I don't eat late at night. I have a exercise routine that I follow all the time. Exercise go, is important. Yeah, Good one. I go to I go to bed consistently at the same time every night. Yeah, even seven thirty eight, right? Eight fifteen yeah. about. Yeah, but I'm up at four. Right, and that's okay. I get a lot done at four a.m. Yeah. You'd be surprised. No, I'm not. I yeah, I'm up then too. Yeah, not at four or five, but yeah, I, I've been sleeping better. Of course, I get those occasional. Nights were. You I, look a little disheveled though, so maybe last night today? wasn't so good. Yeah. No, I'm, I feel great actually. Oh, okay. Maybe just, yeah, that was just mean. Maybe yeah. just look that way. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a long day. So, speaking of disheveled, Nick, what's going on at the boring bar? <laughs> Come on, man. So, the boring bar is our bar where we ignore all of the advice about drinking in moderation. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's our bar where Jason's the only one that's funny and everybody else is boring. It's actually just a newsletter. It, but someday it'll be a real bar. Very soon, it'll be the bar in the making we chips. Yuck headquarters. it up and talk about the metalworking industry. That's right. Can and the conversations you'll hear. What? Can we have a party there and invite all our manufacturing I think friends? We should. We should have like the Rockford community get together at the Boring Bar and have conversations about what's going on in metalworking nation central. Which what is about Rockford. our What about our good clients and friends in the metalworking industry? Yeah, yeah, I think that's good too. Let's do it. Yeah, Caleb need- is cringing over there because he doesn't want to have to take out a liquor license for the Boring Bar. Well, right now, the Boring Bar isn't a real place. It's just an email newsletter. And what you can get in the email newsletter is the latest content from Making Chips. So you go to makingchips.com, you subscribe. We'll have the podcast delivered right to your inbox along with some other stuff. And and as a bonus, if you subscribe, you will find out when that actual Boring Bar is built and you could be one of the metalworking nation that gets to go to the Boring Bar when it it opens. When a VIP guest at the Boring Bar. be invited to the party with the cool kids. That's right. And we got some news too, Jim. I do. And you know... (sighs) I always wonder why it's my responsibility to own an episode and my responsibility to find manufacturing news. And I always wonder why I'm attracted to these news articles. And I think it's because my dad always instilled this in me. When is the recession coming? I I think it was a generational thing because my dad was like the same thing. My my dad's the same way, but once you go through it, apparently it sticks with you. So yeah. Well, I mean, I've been through several of them too. You know, I've been through a lot. And and this actually kind of reminds me, but I told you, Jim, I'm going to be delivering a speech in September for the industrial supply industry, and I'm going to be talking about how to lead through fear because it gets beat into you. It does. It really does because it's not fun to fail. But anyway, the reason I picked this is because, you know, there's always when is the recession coming? Who's got the crystal ball? Who really knows when it's going to come? And of course, I liked the output of what this one said. It's no secret that we had a little bit of a downturn in fourth quarter 2018. A downturn or a slowdown in growth? Thank you for correcting me. A slowdown in growth. And I think it kind of got people concerned. Was it an owie or was it a cut, Jim? It was an owie. It was an owie. It wasn't something to get people... Were you bleeding? I was not bleeding. Okay. 
having the same conversation with you that I had with my son this morning. Well, here's the thing. So I think the feds were thinking about increasing the uh, prime interest rate. It caught people thinking, you know, when the, when the feds do that, they think, uh-oh, there's a, a looming recession. So I think people pulled back a little bit. It got kind of crossed over into early 2019. And then all of a sudden, they decided they weren't going to raise the interest rate. And I think people started buying again. The excitement kind of like gained a little bit. And now what I'm seeing from this article, it says, forget your recession fears. Now the stock market is hitting new highs because everything is bouncing off what the stock market is doing. So as a matter of fact, I think that if you look back at late December 2018, the stock market was down. It wasn't, it was good. We had, I think it went back, we had lost everything we had gained in 2018 at the end of 2018. Is that right? Yeah. I'm not really sure. What I know is we talked about this in like a few episodes ago. We talked about how the little bit of a slowdown in growth is making everyone think, oh, recession, recession. Right. And that's where Jason's well, talking about. We did about, a Making like, Chips episode about it. Yeah, like don't be a wuss. You know, if it slows down a little bit, it's not the end of the world. We're probably not headed towards another 2008 anytime soon. Yeah, so I just want to I want to read this is from Barron's B A R R O N apostrophe S. This just this couple paragraphs. It says the late 2018 correction was mostly attributable to the Fed raising fears that the federal funds rate could be raised over 3% this year, followed by a switch to no more rate increases this year. The new high is a big deal because it confirms investors are much less concerned about imminent recession than they were at the end of last year. No recession means better growth in the back half of 2019. So this kind of like was a opposing contradiction to what your news article was a few weeks ago, where it said the recession is looming and it's, there's going to be a slowdown in the third and fourth quarter 2019. Well, yeah. is it the Dow that everybody always talks about? Well, I think the Dow is the most notable thing. Yeah, I, I, I heard always... somebody predicted it was going to be at like 40,000 eventually, which is a pretty lofty goal, but it was definitely down a little bit today. Well, I'm excited about the things that we can actually control. You know, you mean like making chips? Like, if you're not making chips, you're not making money, right? So, let's bam, talk, let's end get... of episode. No, yeah, oh, no, oh, okay, wait, okay, no, oh, we're just okay. getting started. No, we got a great guest to talk about. So, just I, I want everyone that to know: don't fear the recession. Don't put yourself in a vulnerable position because if you do, and the recession does sneak up. You need to be prepared. You need to react to that downturn quickly. Caleb, do we need to put any disclaimers on this about not making any investment? <laughs> yeah, please don't do investments that. Investments based on advice from making chips. This is We are not a financial we institution. We are not a financial no. Don't listen to us. All I'm saying is don't put yourself in a on vulnerable anything. position because Stock the recession market. will come. And if you're not ready making for chips, it. anything. Yeah. If you're not ready Just for don't it. don't listen to Jim. Yeah. Well, or Jason. So it's all about forgetting fears in the article. And, and one of the things that can make people fearful is change, right? People are always afraid of changing. And anytime you add automation, you're you're kind of letting go of some things and allowing them to be automated a little bit. But what we're going to talk about in this episode with our guest is how automation can speed things up and make things more efficient and eventually make you more profitable and allow you to sleep a little bit better at night. So let's get into it, guys. So Jason, why don't you introduce our friend, our repeat guest. He flew all the way here from the Pacific Northwest to be with us today to share all the good stuff that he knows about automating through ERP. Well, Paul Van Meter is the man 
with the baritone voice and he <laughs> also spells his last name incorrectly. But more important to that, he is the president of Pro Shop ERP and he is the only ERP system that we are aware of at making chips that grew out of a machine shop. And so Paul definitely lends a lot of expertise as it relates to the machining industry and the software industry and really melding those two things together. So Paul, welcome. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. <laughs> Where's the baritone? I was expecting the baritone. I just had to put that in there. Anyway, Paul, thanks again for flying out today. It's always great to have you in our studio and, and sit down and have a, a real conversation about business and automation for that. And I thought, you know, automation, man, it's such a big word. It can mean so many things to so many people. So what I did is I I got the definition off Google and about what automate is, and it says convert a process or facility to largely automate or largely automatic an operation. So I think that's exactly what Paul is here to talk to us about and what his ERP system is doing is to automate the machining process. So Paul, many small manufacturings, as you know, are resistant to automation. I know I was at one time and I had to embrace it. And what do you see? Because you've dealt with a lot of small manufacturing companies, particularly machine shops. That's your target audience, right? Mm -hmm. What is this barrier to resistance to automation? What do you see? What do you what hear is it, over You over? mean to say, what is this barrier to adopt automation? Yes. Thank you. Well, I think for many shops, it's the fear of the unknown. They just, you know, everyone kind of fears things they're not familiar with. And automation seems intimidating and sort of a big thing with lots of details. It's probably expensive. And they know there's probably benefits, but it's still a big hurdle to, to jump. I know for me, my fear of automation is the fear that it's not going to process in the same way that it did prior to the automation of that task. So like if it were something simple like automating the way that we deliver invoices to a customer for that customer that is our biggest client and they expect their invoices a certain way, I put in this automation and it's, you know, it just doesn't happen the way that that I thought it was going to and it, and they get mad. You know, something as simple as that, which I know is a little more simple than something that happens on the shop floor, but for me that's my fear in the automation is letting go of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Letting go of control is is something that everyone is nervous about. The tools that you use to do automation is are crucial. If you're using the wrong tools, it's just not going to work very well. You guys mentioned rob in robots, cobots in the you know in the, in the beginning of the show. That's, that's I, I think a Sure, it, but it's a good example. And yeah, because that's easy what everyone thinks of automation robots. Yes. Yeah, it's an easy one to understand. You know, you can put a robot in front of your mill, and you can get more consistent parts or run a night shift if you don't have you know you can't hire people for a night shift. So that's a way to automate a machining process. We think of ERP as, and I also wanted to talk about. There's a box that ERP software is in, right? And ProShop is not just an ERP system. Absolutely it's not. not. No. Yeah. So I don't even like to necessarily paint it in the picture of an ERP. Define but, um, what you believe in your head it is. We call it a digital manufacturing ecosystem. Okay. And it basically is a way to 
it's an ecosystem. It's a process that you can, here I am using the term in the definition of the term, so sorry. It's a way to tie all the details of your business together in a sort of a digital, paperless, seamless, efficient way. And we'll, we'll get to that a we will. later. But, but ERP, when designed properly, can really help to automate your whole business, not just the machining processes, but, but everything that you do. And what it lets you do is build systems that will take care of all those details, because we know that machine shops have a million details you need to keep track of, and lets you then focus on the bigger picture and really improve your efficiency and throughput and ultimately your profitability. Absolutely. What was the impetus in automating a ecosystem ERP process at ProCNC, the company that you owned prior to ProShop? Yeah, so when, when we started our company, like almost all companies, we grabbed Excel and we had QuickBooks and we just started making a bunch of spreadsheets and, and Google Docs didn't exist back then. So we built spreadsheets to manage our, our work orders and our jobs and our tool lists and everything. You know, it was fine at beginning. You know, when we were the six of us that started the company, that was fine. But as we started growing and doing more business and hiring employees, it just became way too much. It just, we couldn't handle it. It wasn't scalable. And so it was just getting really chaotic. And we decided that we needed some better software to help manage all the details and just couldn't find anything. What were but, some of those chaotic things that were happening? I just want to I want to make this relatable because I want to see if those same things that you were experiencing were the things that I was experiencing. Sure. So, so what were what were those things? So in every small business, everybody wears a lot of different hats. Totally. Right? So whether it's, hey, did you order that material for that job, or was I supposed to do that? Or you, re- you, know, you, you got to set up the job, but you realize the material hasn't arrived yet, so you got to tear the machine back down and set up a different job. Or there's a long lead time cutting tool that you need, and you're kind of stuck with your lead time. But we I mean, made this setup the two we got two machines ready, but we're waiting for exactly. that tool. And we didn't that's realize coming it from until, Israel, right? And we didn't realize it until we were in the midst of the setup. All those kind of details are the things that we needed to keep tr- keep track of, and there just wasn't any system we could find that would do that for us. Right. I, I, I totally get it, but I, I'm glad you shared that with me and the Metalworking Nation because we're so involved in the day-to-day operations of running the business. We don't even realize that there's a solution for these chaotic instances that we're, we're living through, and it doesn't have to be that difficult, Right. So you and your partners were pretty green back then. You were learning, you were growing rapidly. What exposure did you have to manufacturing ERPs before developing your own? Now, you said you were using Excel. You were said you were using Word docs. Obviously, there had to have been, because I know I was using an alternate manufacturing ERP system, so you had to have at least looked at those or tried them out? And what were the, the reasons why they weren't a good fit for ProCNC? Well, actually, at the beginning, we had zero exposure to any other systems. So right, keep, you were just, keep in mind, we were fresh out of college. Right. None of us had really had any other jobs, certainly not in manufacturing. So when we realized that Excel was not going to be good enough and carry us through to our vision, back we probably looked through the big green books. The internet was still in its infancy. The Thomas Register. <laughs> the Thomas Register. You yeah. did. We had Seriously? that on the shelf. Oh, no yeah. kidding. We had the sh- oh my god. So anyway, we found. You know, we probably called up, or maybe email was a thing back then. But we had several different software companies come and give us a pitch and give us demos and show us how their product worked, and. The best word to describe our feeling was underwhelmed. 
we were just thinking to ourselves, are they serious? Like this is as good as the industry has to offer? Because there were all those details I mentioned, like the cutting tools and this and that, and your setup sheets and your your G code and all those things, like none of them managed any of those things. They were fine at putting in your order and placing a purchase order with a vendor, but all the other details that were so critical on a daily basis, they just completely ignored them. It was like code wasn't written from the shop floor perspective. No, it was from a very accounting-based perspective. Right. You know? I was going to say, why do you think that it wasn't as big as it was? Is because do you think that the people that developed that software didn't have true shop floor experience? In some cases, absolutely. Yeah. In others, to counter your initial statement at the beginning of the show, I think some of them, what we heard, did start from shops. But I can't imagine why would they would ever build something, <laughs> even if they were trying to run it in their own shop, because it just se- still seemed so unsuitable. So we just decided that there's no way we're going to buy one of these systems. By the way, they were all still paper-based. And we had a vision very early on that we wanted to be totally paperless and digital and sort of more dynamic and live and not relying on these paper documents. And that was pretty innovative in the late 90s. Yeah, nobody was doing that. Nobody was doing that. And none of the software was web-based back then either. So you were web-based from the very beginning? From day one. one. Were you programming HTML? Yes, from day one, yeah. See, that's crazy to me because it's like, all right, so we can't find a system that really fits. Let's just make our own. Did you guys have a background in that kind of thing? No. No, we were all manufacturing guys, right? But my partners knew this guy who did web development, and we talked to him, and we decided to. He was kind of at a place where he was looking for something to do, and we hired him. We hired him back in 2000. So, so what, you, hired, what is, you hired a developer. We hired a software developer. And what is oh the software God. written in right now? A number of different sort of languages. and But it's a pretty neat type of database. doesn't really matter, but it's called LMDB. It's a sort of a big data type database. But anyway, we, we hired him just to build something for ourselves. When we were doing the math on how many different licenses of these other systems we would have to buy, right. how many other software products we'd still have to buy to fill in all the details and then try to make them talk with each other. And then have it accessible, you know, at every machine and every place we wanted to do it because we didn't want to have paper. It seemed like it was going to be way too expensive. And we thought this, you know, hiring Matt would, would, would solve that. Little did we know we'd have a software developer salary for like 20 years. <laughs> so it ended up being very expensive, much more than those other systems. But, but uh, you know, it, it ended up to where we are today. I so think that's something I hear all the time about like the best startups is they, they're born from like solving their own problem. Yeah, this was absolutely strictly out of need. We had no intentions of ever doing anything with it other than run our company with it. Right. So it's it's all about efficiency. It's all about automation. It's all about throughput. And you know, it, it, it's no secret that we at Car Machine have been using ProShop now actively for about 10 months. I'd like to share with you, Paul, because I don't know if some of these bullet points I've ever shared with you personally, but more importantly, the Metalworking Nation, just a few of the time-saving efficiencies that I've seen in our company by implementing ProShop redundancy. So I've mentioned this before. It was like we had pieces of material everywhere. Again, it was on our network drive, it was on our PCs, it was in OneDrive, it was in Word, it was in Excel, it was in Google Drive, it was in Google Sheets. We, it was all over the place. There was, it was in QuickBooks. It was everywhere. We, we had stuff everywhere. And we, there was never a process 
to collecting that data consistently where everybody could go to to get and access that data. One of the big things that we love in ProShop is everybody that's using the system, which is the entire company, knows exactly where the native files are from the customer. So that PDF, that step file, that CAD file, it's all there. Everybody in the entire company has full access to get that native file and look at it during the thing. Part of the impetus in creating a paperless system is what you're trying to pitch ProShop as. So the redundancy thing to me is the thing that stands out in my head and has been a big time saver because everything's in ProShop from the estimate to the quote to the purchase order to the part level to the work order the material the customer information the tooling order the tracking of of jobs it's just it's 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 a one stop shop to find anything you want to know about that particular job so what we do is if we have a spec out tool on the estimate we've already got it spec we've already got the cost in there all we do is create a PO to Zengers Inc. We put in that work number. It pulls it through. It ties it right to that job. And it's automatically linked. And if we ever have to go back and do research on what did the cost of that tool, what was the cost of that tool? How many did I use? How many did job? we use? What was the delivery? Who took the order? How long ago it was? There might even be pictures of the tool in there. We know exactly what we used, and it's tied directly to that particular work order. So, how many tasks in that process did you like are now automated that you used to have to do manually? I mean, did you ever think about that? Oh my God, at least a hundred. Really? At least I thought you were going to say like ten. No, t- tasks. Yeah, like so you have you have one process before where you were doing it the old way and now you've got some automation involved in like the job you just described. You, you, you really I, think I've there's not about 100 measured. things you don't have to do now that, that you did manually before? Yes. Wow. To, to create a purchase order to Zangers for that particular tool, we'd have to go into our database, which was either on our network drive, it was a Word doc, or was in on the cloud, on OneDrive, it was either on our network drive or on our cloud drive. We'd have to find that purchase order. We'd have to copy, save it as. We'd have to put our job number in. We'd have to print it, print the purchase order, send it to Zangers. Zangers would process it. Would you fax it. it to him? No, we did not fax it. We scanned, we scanned and emailed. You'd print we it created and it, We created You'd a print PDF. You'd print it and it? We would create a PDF okay. and That's email better. it to Zangers, but we would print the PO internally so we would have a oh paper process. Oh, my gosh. We get the idea. We don't need to hear all 100 yeah. of them, but wow. Well, most, importantly, yeah, that was a know, lot. most importantly, I want to know, does Zangers have a good vendor supply rating score in ProShop now? Because you talked about delivery we do. We times. Get a, we get them everything yeah. oh, right away. Do you have away. a good vendor performance score? Tell, explain, <laughs> to, explain to all these people in the studio <laughs> in the Metalworking Nation what that is and why we're doing that. Uh, for every shipment well, that we does receive. Does it automatically rate us? No. Well, Go yes. Ahead. Yes. Not I automatic. Mean, well, well, some it of defaults. it does. It yeah, defaults. So there's, there's those two objective scores on time delivery and quality. Right. But then there are several subjective ratings you know whether their customer service was good, whether their lead time was good, right. packaging was good. Yep. You know all that kind of stuff. Was Jason's and, and jokes actually funny, or does he just <laughs> think he's funny? <laughs> so those go in. So anyway, I was just kind of being and, funny. And but the whole reason why we're doing that 
on an as-received basis is to comply with ISO because we have to keep our vendor performance rating in check. Is this vendor suitable to continue to business with or not? Right. And by rating all the vendors, because so what, so what it does is that product comes into our receiving department. The guys that are in the receiving department that are trained to receive open the package, they open the package, and then scan the receiving ticket into that purchase order. So we've got a paperless thing. We know who received it. We know how it was received. Because if you mouse over the packing list, it says that time and day stats, Scott received it on this day at this time. And then he, the person that's receiving it is supposed to do this quick rating just like Paul had mentioned, how what was the qual- was it on time? What was the customer service? What was the quality? How was the packaging? And it defaults to a three, three out of five, three yeah, out of just five, just to give them an average rating, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, we have definitely moved some of those from some of our vendors. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were order ground material and it comes in and they missed the grind grind size, we type sure. that in. So well, you'd make an NCR about that probably. We probably would. I don't know if they've done that yet, but yes, we probably would. That is just one. So it's small- like automated, but you can go in and adjust manually. Cause I think that's one of the big fears that people have with automation. Like, is it so automated that it's, that you're not going to be able to like actually control anything or. Yeah. Well, remember we built this in our own manufacturing company. So we certainly weren't going to hamstring ourselves to do things the way that we actually wanted to run business. You know, the idea is to, help automate the process, but let you define the details of that. So the fact that you're going to receive that by going to the receiving dashboard, click on the purchase order number of the item you're receiving, and then do the receiving process, do any and document whether they were good or not. And and so that's the that's the part that helps to to automate rather than pulling up a spreadsheet or writing it down on a piece of paper and, and having that be a very manual process. Yeah. So there's a couple of other things that I want to go through too, because you know, I could go on forever and ever and ever. And these are just some highlight things that you really can go on forever. And ever no, and ever. I can, I can. So one thing that I've noticed that is really powerful is the customer information, because I'm always concerned about when we do get a new customer, where is all that credit information? So let's say we get a new customer. They're out on the West Coast. I know nothing about them. They might be a startup. They might be a legacy aerospace customer. So what's the first thing you do? You run a Dun & Bradstreet. I take that report, upload it right to the customer contact page. Then my office manager, Linda, she sends a credit application to them. They send it back. All those documents come back in PDF format. We take all that we put it all in there, and then we say yes or no, we approve it or not. And then it's checked off whether the customer has been approved for credit right then and there. It's one place that we can always go to for that. Same thing in that customer, the contact thing is, does the customer require a first article inspection port? Does the customer require material certs? Does the customer require AS9100? Does the customer require special shipping or packaging processes? Do they want the packing list inside the box or do they want it outside the box? Do they want the purchase? All of this information is built into the customer contact module and it's available to everyone. And from I didn't know this, but what you just told me recently was that in the opera the shipping operations, when the shipping and receiving department actually go to ship it 
and they click that operation that all the shipping information shows up right there. No styrofoam peanuts, no plastic materials, whatever. I didn't know that, but thank you for asking. That's just one thing. And maybe you can embellish a little bit on that. Yeah, well, I think that for those that listened to the last show that I was on about franchising, the the way that we built these systems to be able to customize by company the specific touch points that that customer wants to kind of be communicated with and all the details, that is an automation. That is a way to automate the process of handling that. But it's also a really good example of building sort of a franchise process that you can customize that for each customer and it's the, it's the process you've built and you follow it every time and and people are getting that consistent performance that customer is getting the packing slip inside the box and they want two copies right as they've told you and if you don't do it that way they're going to get upset and they're going to call you up and say hey why don't you get it, why, why do you keep not getting the paperwork correct Right. right. So, Didn't you read it on the purchase order? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, no, not the sixth time we did it, you right. know. And that's also part of I appreciate you saying that. That's I mean, that should be something that's caught in contract review, which is also an automated step in ProShop. Again, trying to meet those ISO requirements because back to my earlier point that ProShop is not just an ERP system. It is a QMS system as just as much as it is an ERP. Right. And the point that we made about us having zero experience with other ERP systems, I think when we first built this, was I think it's actually was a silver lining because we had no preconceived notions about what an ERP system actually was. Like zero zero oh, context. Oh, because you had absolutely no idea what an ERP system represented at all. You knew were your needs, and so you built a product based on your niche needs. Yes. And that's why how it was birthed and it was so niche to yes. the machine shop. Yeah, it turns out that Almost every shop out there needs to be able to document whether the pa- paperwork should go in the box or on the box, right? Those kind of details and, and so many others are the things that we faced, right? We would have a customer call us and say, hey, please stop putting the paperwork on the box because it gets ripped off and then we can't find it. Exactly. So then we built a process in ProShop to be able to document where the customer wants their pa- paperwork preferences. And then we would display that in the shipping operations. So every time someone is shipping any box for that customer, they see the exact information that customer wants them to see. Right. So it was just very organic and natural the way we built it. So tell me, and I, I don't have experience with this. So on that op- the shipping operation, whichever number it is, I don't mm-hmm. know what the shipping operation number is, and it can you change can, based on can, the work. You can have yeah. whatever number you want. And I've never done this yet because I don't do shipping and receiving, but does it tell the shipping and receiving department that that particular customer requires material certifications and first article inspection reports? That happens at the final inspection operation. Oh, in the final which is inspection. Typically before shipping actually okay. is happening. Gotcha. Yes. So when you check the box that they want an AS9102 first article. Exactly. And they want a C of C uh, and they cert- want the certs. Yep. Then ProShop will automatically pull the document package together. It will format the inspection report in the AS9102 format. It will go find every cert that's related to that project. So if you have an assembly of 10 items, and each item has a material cert, a plating cert, and a hardware CFC, cert. Yeah, right. Well, not the CFC. Right. Those are the actual cert. Well, the CFC cert. is at the yeah. end of the whole yeah. assembly, yes. So if you have 10, item, 10, 10 items in your assembly with three certs each, ProShop will find all 30 certs that no were kidding. scanned in during the receiving process right. you mentioned earlier yep. and That's prepare this document package, yep. totally formatted to the specific requirements of that customer, which is maybe different than the customer that you ship five minutes from now. 
right? They may not need certs at all. They may not need a CFC, and they right. don't want an AS9102. So it will not generate the paperwork if that customer doesn't want it. Interesting. Very cool. So Jim, I have a question for you as we, as right we wrap up this episode. Have you implemented anything into your processes at CAR in order to, you know, like enhance the experience of working with the new ProShop software? So actually, quite frankly, ProShop is part of our sales process now. So when we get a new prospect and we have that initial extremely important first interview where we're interviewing them, they're interviewing us. Typically, it's with the engineer. I try to impress them with my technical knowledge. But what I want to do, most importantly, is because I think we're different in this regard, is they need to know one of our three uniques is our our communication. So what I do is I'm doing a Google Hangout, a video conference. So what I do is I share my screen with them and I say, here, here's our ERP system. Guess what? I'm just not like looking at your print, looking at the quantity, looking at the tolerances and the material and saying, ah, that's $179. This is the process. This is the estimating process. It's going to take 40 minutes to do pre-process checking. It's going to take us 90 minutes on the front end to do a setup plus another 30 minutes that's um, an NRE setup. It's going to take five minutes to inspect it. It's going to take 15 minutes to break it down, and it's going to actually take 22 minutes to actually cut the metal. So we've got all these times. We've got the first time we've made the setup, subsequent times we've made the setup, how much inspection time is going to be allocated to that first time operation, how much time is it going to take to break that setup down, and then how much time are all the subsequent times we run the second through 102nd piece part, and it's going to add all that up respectively. You know Did what I say that me- right, Paul? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. good. That good. makes me think of when we flew out to Connecticut recently, and we talked to Brandon and his dad, and he was talking about like why they started their shop, and he, he was talking about, I know what it takes to make a part. Right. And he's like, it's like that plumber you, you bring to your, your house, and you're like, okay, it's $3,000 of material, and you said you're going to be here for a week. Why is it at $20,000? And so you, you use this in your sales right. to be like, look, we actually use some science to arrive at the price. It's not just some arbitrary number where you have no idea. There's like no transparency involved. We're not guessing. We're not. This is it. This is the hard numbers, and I think they appreciate that authenticity, and the know that we're making proactive moves or proactive processes. We have them in place so we can quote their jobs truer than they were a year or two or three ago when we were. We weren't guessing, but I, it's definitely more granular now. And we're trying to hit the numbers. And then we can adjust, and then we it pulls in the material costs. You can add the percentage of markup you want to do it. Any of your outside services like heat treating, black oxiding, electroless nickel, all those come up. It goes down at the bottom. You can add your markup to those. There was a recently an update, which has been fantastic, by the way, that you can put in. Like if there's a lot charge, let's say it caught the minimum lot charge for black anodine is $175. I have one piece. That lot charge will pull through just for that one piece. But if I have 100 on that same quote, it will t- it will take the each price 
it'll take the greater of the two. So it's been really helpful. So again, Jason, to answer your question, this has definitely become part of our sales process now, more than just a manufacturing process, automating our manufacturing process. Yeah, what you just described there is really automating the estimating process. And absolutely, and, if, and that's what the world if, that I live in. And if you're using our template system, and I hope you are. I um, am using it, yes. Yeah, then it makes that so much faster because all those things are already plugged in, all the defaults, all the lot charges, and then you just tweak the details and, and be really And fast. the best part is if I have a, a light, so let's say I've got five line items on a, a quote or an estimate, and they're all similar parts, but they're different part numbers, I just do the first one first, and then I copy that estimate, tweak that just a little bit. I mean, it literally might take me 20 minutes to estimate the first part, but the second, third, fourth, and fifth is only going to take me maybe two minutes to get that done because I'm copying, just tweaking the part number, the revision level, and maybe the nomenclature, and then I'm on to the next thing. And I think what's maybe more important to the theme of the episode is that once you've you've automated that process that once you receive that order it is much more automated and seamless on the back right. end as it flows into the shop and that's where the automation is really re- reaping benefits and, and that's just 60 seconds more that's where i struggle a little bit because there was a lot there's a lot of front end data that has to be put into the system and I struggled with that a little bit because I thought, oh my God, this is this is not how I used to do things. And now it's taking me a, a little bit more time to do it. it, probably because I wasn't used to the system, to the way you input it. But oh my God, now that I, I'm using it, it's a world of difference. It's a world of difference. It's just a, a different mindset, just a different process. Well, this has definitely been insightful. And I, I would say that if a manufacturing leader out there is not making the effort in order to bring their company into a place where they are automating the processes with their ERP system, they need to start thinking about it. Right. It's 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 a very helpful tool to it's, do it's it. It's a competitive environment, and it's more and more difficult in order to, to make money in this industry, in any industry. And so you need to use the tools that are available at your disposal in order to help you to be competitive. You bet. So, Paul, thanks again for coming out today, visiting Chicago from the Pacific Northwest. It's always a pleasure to see you and and hear these stories and help each other, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what Making Chips is all about. We're here to equip and inspire. And hopefully there's something that we said today that's going to help that guy out in rural Nebraska that's really struggling with automating his process. And maybe we can help him save five to 50 minutes tomorrow and maybe he'll even be interested in looking at pro shop as a future erp system for his shop so if you want to reach out to paul you can go to paul's linkedin paul yep. van meter v-a-n space m-e-t-r-e on linkedin or go to pro shop erp.com and check out some of the videos they're pretty impactful stuff and at the end of the day if you're not making chips you're not making money bam, bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, 
blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. Sleeping pills. I don't take sleeping what? pills anymore. <laughs> Do you, do you do that? He sounds thing? like a rock star. <laughs> How do you get to bed at night, Jim Carr? Wine, well, sleepy pills. And- I am a recording artist, just so you know. <laughs> and I always oh, wanted gosh. to be a rock star. Jim, don't you have online chat for Car Machine and Tool? As a matter of fact, we do. And, you know, John just mentioned me the other day that somebody was chatting with him online. I'm like, great. That's all millennials want to do, right? Yeah, and that's why Zometry has it as well. I know. It's fantastic. You can just go right to the thing. If you have a question, just go right to the chat box, type in your question, and they can answer it for you right away. Yeah, there's a little box that says help with a bubble. Type your questions in there and away you go. Go to zometry.com. X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.